Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Oh, everybody, you are in for another treat, I tell you. This Donna Blevins individual on mindsets on demand, mind shift on demand. Oh, let me do that again. Mind shift on demand book. I am, I'm tripping over my words because I had so much fun reading this book. And this book was so practical and usable in the hands of you, the hands of me as a psychologist who's been doing this for 40 years. And here we are with Donna Blevins. Hello, welcome to our show. Oh, Carol, I am absolutely thrilled to be here more than you can ever imagine. Well, I'm, that is just really nice to hear. You are going to teach us how to shift our brain, shift our mind, shift our attitude, shift our emotions, shift our actions, and shift our choices, shift our self-talk. Ooh, sounds like a whole lot, but Donna, first, can you just please help us know that what you have to offer actually can work in our lives by talking about some of the people that you've actually shifted their lives by your techniques. Thank you. And I want to say they shifted their life Mm. by using the techniques because our body is our vehicle and our mind is the driver. And we're the only one that has the choice of how we have a reality because we create the reality by how we think. So I've, can come up with lots of people who have benefited from using the techniques. The the one that comes first to mind is a woman that experienced a stroke um, about eight months ago. She's in the poker industry, interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. and I was contacted by a, a mutual friend, and he said, I'm sending her your book, and she absolutely needs it because she's having so much difficulty talking. Mm. Um, and I said, okay. I said, let me do a complimentary session with her, a mind-shifting session, because I had not worked with, with someone individually that had a stroke issue, and I thought, well, let's give this a try. And so uh, we did a, a, a virtual call where we were doing, we could see each other uh, on a, a platform, and I was able to get her to, rather than think about Fighting when you're looking for a word. When we are trying to find a word, because regardless of whether you've had a stroke or not, I imagine you may misplace a word from time to time. Does that happen, Carol? Hmm, let's see. I think I did it at the beginning of the show, didn't I? <laughs> Very <laughs> so funny. What you want to do when that happens is rather than get frustrated, you just say, okay, you know, I have literally eliminated two words from my vocabulary, forget and forgot. I'm going to tag that because I'm tapping on my wrist saying I'm not sending a forget and forgot to my subconscious because whatever we say, our subconscious accepts as reality because our subconscious is not judgmental. It's a perfect recorder. It records everything as if it's the truth because that's what it accepts. And um, she went through this process of rather than getting upset when she missed a word, I said, let's do this. Where is that word? And just get calm for a moment, take a breath, and say, where is that word? Then just let it go. And it will surface because more than likely your brain has the ability to find that word. It, uh, our brain, it's the rewiring the neural pathways. When I explained this to someone in psychology, as a matter of fact, it was my husband shrank. He said, what you're doing is you're training the brain to retrain itself. And I said, okay. And he said, because the neuroplasticity of the brain, it has the ability to rewire. So she had some amazing responses. Um, She put a post up on Facebook that following week saying she had an amazing experience. It was something, just a simple change in thought. Um, And so that was uh, some evidence, some more evidence base. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. Secondly, uh, just after the book was published, I I took a book into my husband's He's a a veteran, a U.S. veteran, and he's a 100% service-connected disabled veteran. I took it into his team, and I said, here, I'll gift you a book. And one of the nurses grabbed my arm and said, you have to come down and talk to the chief of the pain at the VA hospital in Tampa. And I said, Hmm. okay. And so he said, walk me through one of the exercises. So I walked him through one of the mind shift exercises, and he said, 
can you do a session for the uh, next Tuesday for the veterans who are in pain? And I said, sure. I said, it's the first time I've done that, so let's see what happens. I said, I'm not sure what to do. And I said, how much time? And he said, 15 minutes. And I said, oh, that's a short time, but we'll give that a shot. So before people started, I said, bring up a situation that's really causing you stress and right where you are. And, and I asked them where they are. didn't have to tell me where they were or even pain if they wanted to deal with it. And they were saying eight and nine, seven to eight to nine. And after we shifted through the process, I said, now tell me where you are. And one person stood up and said, I went from an eight to a three in pain in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And another person said, me too. So uh, it was amazing effect on physical pain. Mm-hmm. And the the first one that came to mind when we were talking before, when you said someone that's dealing with trauma, is when I shared a mind shift exercise on a complimentary webinar about 18 months ago, before the book was published, I got an email, and the email said, you saved my life. Well, you see that in print, and you go, yeah, yeah, okay, tell me more. And the email that I got back, I cried reading this email, and he said that he he had a pistol and one bullet, and he was ready to use it, and he had put it on his coffee table, and he logged into his email because he was going to uh, send a goodbye to his family. And um, he saw the replay, and I have no idea what that subject line was. I need to go back and look at that subject line because I'm thankful that that was there. And he listened to this replay, and it got to the point where it says, bring up the situation, but first forgive yourself for where you are. Oh, and wow. he said he fell down on his knees and he cried and cried and cried and he said, uh, you have forever given me the way to shift away from that thinking. And he was actually one of the final editors of the book. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's beautiful. I thank you so much for bringing those in here. So everybody that's listening, you know, you're you're tuning in whenever you can, right? And so here you are, and I'm going to ask Donna to give you a session. I don't know what. Donna, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want you to give our listener a session or two. And I don't know what of your many tools that you have in your book, uh, Mind Shift On Demand, you want to give us a session on. I'm, I'm going to give you a time to kind of think about that. And I, I, I love the idea of forgiving yourself and then defining this thing and giving it objectivity. And then, then you do this experience with your left brain, right brain, which reminds me of all sorts of different things in neuropsychology and EMDR and abuse, trauma, recovery work, and, and so, and then you pivot your body. I mean, you just do these interesting things, and of course, as a clinical psychology and psychologist as 40 years in the field, I was sitting there going, yeah, that's like this, and that's like this, and I just, but I said, boy, she's distilled this so easily and so doable in this wonderful book. So with that kind of background, what's our first session with you, Donna? <laughs> Thank you, and you actually stated a few of the steps in what I call my signature mind shift exercise. And I believe that that's the one that I absolutely want to get out there because it's had so much impact. It's only a simple seven-step process. And I'd like to, to walk you through that. Is that what you'd like? Oh, that would be wonderful. That's the one I'm actually looking at. <laughs> Go for okay. it. Okay. Yes. It's called, it's called, hmm, isn't that interesting? So, and anyone who is in the sound of my voice, I want to tell you that I am speaking directly to you, whether it's on a recording or whether you're live. I want you to know that I am with you in this moment. That is my intention. We can be energetically connected even if we're not in the same room, even if it's not a live event. It's recording. I am energetically connecting with you at this moment when you hear my voice. So first of all, I'd like for you to get comfortable in your chair, in your seat, and if, you are, if you're driving, I'd like for you to pull over because you're going to be closing your eyes a bit. So I'd like for you to bring up a situation that has caused you stress and trauma. And please know that in a few moments, we're going to be shifting away from that, but I want you to bring up something that is terrible 
because I want to show you how easy it is to shift down that scale because a high number, 10, we're going to use the pain scale so, like they do in pain. If you are a 1 or a 0, there's no pain. If you're a 10, oh, my goodness, take me to the ER. So that's the pain scale we're going to use. So I want you to bring up something in your mind's eye that is terrible, that's caused you a tremendous amount of stress, and bring that to mind. And in this moment, first of all, I want you to forgive yourself for where you are. Because regardless of the situation, regardless of what happened, just step into that forgiveness mode. The joy and the comfort and the release that happens when you forgive is amazing. However, sometimes we feel like that we don't, we can't forgive ourselves. That's okay. Pretend you do. Just say, I forgive me. Now what I'd like for you to do is rate where you are. Rate that rate scale from 0 to 10. Rate where you are and just you know put that to the side. And the second step is I'd like you to ask it to show itself. You know, give it a form. Give it a name. You're thinking of form, yeah, because when you give it a form, uh, it may be a person, it may be a graphic image, it may be a a cloud, because when it takes a three-dimensional form, it has boundaries. It's no longer out there and all around us. It's now finite. It's an astonishingly simple thing is to ask it to take a form. Now, if in your mind's eye you're going, well, I just don't see anything, that's okay. Give it a name. Give it a name. Call it something. And look at, put that word in your mind's eye and look at that word. And as you do, the next step is just to notice it. And as you're noticing it, by the way, it moves further away from you. And it's getting smaller. I'd like for you to notice it and look at it. Step back one step. Oh, there it is. It's moving further away. Now look at it and say, hmm, isn't that interesting? You're disconnecting from it. You're no longer fueling it. Just be in that moment. Oh, it's going further away. Now what I'd like for you to do is open your eyes. Look up and to your right. Pivot your body 45 degrees to the right and continue looking up and ask, where would I rather be? In that moment, what you're doing is you're giving your subconscious a question. No longer, no need to answer it because you're in essence sending code modifiers to your subconscious because you're saying, where would I rather be? Let your subconscious do the work. And now what you want to do is to think back to that situation and rate it where you are now. How far have you come? You may have taken a big jump from an 8 to a 3. It might have been stable and and stayed there, and that's okay. Because what happens when it's there, it means that it's probably other things underlying that that's really causing you the stress, but just keep stepping through the process, and it will help to diffuse that because you are disconnecting from fueling that and fueling that stress. Now, folks, isn't that incredibly simple and direct? And I would love to hear everybody's reactions, but we'll have to wait to hear from them at some other time. What are some reactions you've had, Donna, to this incredibly useful, hmm, isn't that interesting, which is in your fourth chapter? Thank you. I have had surprisingly wonderful responses because you know let's face it we sometimes undervalue what we do and you know when I was working on the book and I thought it was finished I said oh well people ever want this you know how do I prove it works and that was what Mm -hmm. actually triggered my my stroke when I said I want something that proves my mind shift exercises work and voila that's what happened Halloween of 2013 Oh, dear. Well, let's walk into that. I didn't realize that you had the stroke after you wrote the book. I thought that the book and the discoveries actually were, well, tell me. Yes. 
What happened in 2013? The the stroke happened in Halloween 2013, but I've actually been working on the mind shifting since I was six years old. Hmm. Uh, and, and I don't mention that in the book, and, and that's okay because I was, I've actually only started mentioning it because when I was six, and by the way, you know that I'm six feet five inches tall. Yes. Well, I'm I saying that, that. Be, because <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is, is for you, our, our listeners there, to, to understand that because I'm going to say something that's very odd, and that is that when I was six, I had tuberculosis. And tuberculosis has been known to stunt people's growth. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I guess. <laughs> so, so, and when when they went in to do a biopsy, now this is 1955, and you can do the math about the age. <laughs> I just gave someone a clue. Everyone a clue out there. Yeah, she's had a birthday age. recently. <laughs> Happy birthday! Yes, yes. And I. During the surgery, they were doing the biopsy. I actually, my heart stopped for six minutes. And when your heart stops for six minutes, uh, over four minutes, you have brain damage. And Hmm. it was interesting because I I went to the place that they call a near-death experience, but I'm telling you, it was near nothing. I was there. I was in this place of light, and it was a place of joy, and it was a place where I was completely aware I was no longer wow. six. I was ageless. I was 143, and when I came back, I thought I better not say anything because in those days, in 1955, if I had mentioned where I had been and what I experienced, they would have put me in a, a state mental hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't say anything. I wouldn't say anything. I was afraid to speak. In fact, I said no words for two weeks. And at the, <laughs> Then two weeks, I said, "What's for dinner?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're and, practicing. But, <laughs> that's it. Uh, but I had been, I subsequently started doing mind shifting without having the words for it, without understanding how to put it and to put it into words. And oddly enough, my my poker coaching clients, when I went into the poker industry in 1996. Uh, the people would say, "Well, how do you play poker so good? <laughs> you know, what do you do?" And I'm going, "Well, I just shift my mindset." And they'd go, "Well, how do you do that? What does that mean?" So it was my poker coaching clients that were the trigger for me putting the the methods into words. And because I'm dealing with people that are predominantly left brain, logical people, because it's a numbers game. Certainly, it has a lot to do with people because poker certainly is a card game played by people, but it's most importantly a people game played with cards. Hmm. But I had to figure out how to put it into words. So thanks to them, uh, that's where the, the, the steps came in. That's where I finally, they'd say, well, well, tell me more. I'd say, well, just shift your mindset. And they'd go, I don't know what that is. Or I'd say, well, just engage your energetic radar. And they'd say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Put it into words. <laughs> and so, that's, you know, so that's where it all came about, and I'm really grateful for that. Gosh, that's so interesting. So at age six, a near-death experience or beyond life experience, and then you became a poker coach. How did you recover from the stroke you had in 2013? Well, I had my mother and my husband. My mother is now 92, by the way, and we've been honored to have her in our home since 2002. I am a blessed woman. Mm-hmm. And mother is a, a a non-traditional 92. Mother is an athlete who's gotten older, and so she doesn't. She goes out into her garden six hours a day when she can do that, and she's a powerful woman. So mother said, "Get up from the computer and come and go out to eat with us." So um, when I had the stroke, I got up and looked at the screen and said, "I want something that proves my mind shift exercises work." And I, you know. It's almost like I kick-started a clot when I stomped my foot. The universe said, okay, that's what you want, zap. And I was able to get up off the floor in my office into the kitchen where their mother and my husband were waiting for me to get there to go with them for lunch. And apparently they could tell by looking at me because it was the center left brain stroke and it cross-wired, and my right side of my face was drooping, and I couldn't really do anything with my right arm, and I was kind of dragging my right foot. And they got me to the ER, 
and I was airlifted to the University of Florida Teaching Hospital. And it was, I had a blast because I chose to, rather than to buy into the stroke and to believe it and to engage it, I chose to disconnect from it. I literally used this, hmm, isn't that interesting? I probably used that a hundred times in two days. And I continually detached from it. And even though people were saying, the healthcare at the healthcare team was saying, "Oh, she will never be able to speak again. It'll take her eight to nine months before she can speak. She'll be garbled." And I'm going, "Cancel, delete. I'm using my re- internal remote control." <laughs> I go, "It say something." I go, "Delete that. Delete. Cancel. Absolutely." <laughs> Erase. And um, I was able using the mind shifting practice and and saying, "Where are the words?" And I went through a process of finding words in my mind's eye. And toning them out, I was able to speak fluidly in three days. Mm. That's beautiful. You know, I'm hearing a little bit of feedback. I don't know if you have a microphone a speaker on in the background. Do you? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay. So right. I'm hoping this is not recording. That would be uh, sorry, listeners. But I want to ask kind of a lengthy question. There might be some feedback. And the lengthy question is this: in talking about the, you know, blow the bully away which is in Chapter 10, and creating the egg and tossing the trash, I know that the people that I work with in abuse and trauma recovery work that I do, these are very, very pertinent to their ability to empower themselves to get away from their abusers. And that abuser may be someone that's no longer in their presence but still exists in their internal world. The trauma may no longer be going on, but it's still revisited on the inside. How would your techniques address that? If I were to say directly which one, I think it has to do with, first of all, the, the head trash. is it, tossed. I call it toss the trash. And it was a process that I actually created, gosh, back in the 80s. I was actually going to a real estate seminar. I was a real estate broker in those days, and it was a week-long seminar about exchanging. And it was the fourth day into a week-long seminar, and I was exhausted. And this, the host, the, the teacher, actually walked us through a meditation. And I had never been through this type of meditation before. And I actually found this room. I call it the, the trash room because he'd say, find, you know, go in the house and, and, and walk into your home and go into this room and what is that room and what do you want it to be? And that was when I first discovered this room. And it's a room that I'd like for you to visit right now. And when you walk into this room, imagine that there are no there are no pieces of furniture there. It's a clean, beautiful room, whatever that walls you would want that to be, whatever the floor you'd want it to be. But on the far wall, there is a window. And to the right of that window, there is a roll of garbage bags, forever endless garbage bags. So, hmm. And I actually dealt with this after that because I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I was so worried about things, and I'd go, well, go to my trash room. So what you do is you walk up to this window, and you think, this, think of this, all this stuff, these thoughts. I want to get them out of my head. And just imagine that you're taking the thoughts, and whatever they are, take them in your hand and put them into this, pick a garbage bag and put them there. And it's interesting because when I was playing with this originally, it was almost like I opened up my head and I reached in and pulled out this bunch of trash and put it, you know, and put these words, these things, I'm thinking about what those words are, whatever they are, things that I didn't want to think, and I'd go there and and put them in the bag, tie up the bag, the window's open, and you toss it out the window. And when you toss it out, it's completely vaporized. It becomes neutralized. Everything is energy. So we have to figure out how to do that so that we can neutralize it. And it was a, an amazing process that I've used. Gosh, I've been using this for more than 40 years, this mm-hmm. particular one. Because any time I'd wake up in the middle of thinking about something that would damage me, or continue to cause that negative energy, I'd say, oh, go to the trash room. And if I was worried about something, oh, head there. 
and and that was a really it's a simple simple thing to do. I've had so many people say, "Oh, I love going to the trash room." Clean out the trash. That's right, mm-hmm. and that's been very therapeutic for me personally. But the egg, the egg is so powerful. When mm-hmm. I first discovered the concept of the egg, it was in the 70s. And uh, I was came to the realization, the understanding that our energy field goes out past our skin. In fact, if you can, there's something called Carillion photography. You can take a picture. Uh, there's a special kind of camera, and you can see this this aura, this colored field around people's silhouette. And, uh, you know, have you ever been standing quietly and felt someone come up behind you without hearing anything? Have you ever mm-hmm. experienced that? Sure. Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, yeah. And that's their, their energy field is touching yours. And so what we need to do is we need to protect ourselves. I mean, in the 70s, I could not go shopping in a mall because I would get so sick when I went into a mall. I'd get a headache in just a short period of time, and I would I would get nauseated. And the person that first introduced me to it suggested that what was happening is I was absorbing other people's energy and I need to protect myself. So just imagine that around your energy field, I want you to... Install an egg right now. Now, it's not the shape of an egg. It's your shape. And it's flexible. Imagine putting on a uh, a very strong, flexible shield. But I want you to make it ma- mirrored on the outside. Because the egg's, egg's intention is that it reflects only negativity and allows the positive to come in through it and to you. Now, it's selectively reflective, but it reflects it back out to the universe again, not to the one that sent that negative energy because you don't want to create bad karma. So you just send it out to the universe so it becomes neutralized. And my husband, who, by the way, is also a left-brain person, Hmm. he doesn't believe in virtually anything when people are talking about stuff that people might might call woo-woo or something, imagining something like that. But he started putting on the egg when we first met in the 80s. And he mm-hmm. said, I don't believe it works, but it does. Mm-hmm. And today when he goes to the poker table, he always puts on the egg. But you, you only need to put it on once, by the way, because it's a case of maintaining it. It's kind of like your car. You know, you have to check in for oil and put gas in it and that kind of stuff. Just think mm-hmm. about that. It takes only a few minutes in the morning to just say, you know, how's the egg? Just kind of take a moment, look around. Are there some cracks? Just go ahead and, you know, smooth it over. When I first started repairing my egg, I was having difficulty finding a way to smooth it. And <laughs> so hmm. I finally said, okay, what can I do? And I took that shiny duct tape. <laughs> oh, and I, fun in my mind's eye, I taped it on the outside of the egg, and I said, okay, that'll work. <laughs> and so that was that was the egg. That's hilarious. Duct tape solves all problems, yes. That's it. <laughs> You're not the first to say that. You, in your book, you, you, you start out saying your beliefs generate your thoughts. Your thoughts craft your words. Your words cre- create your reality. And I went on with that. I said your reality shifts your energy. Your reality shifts your power. And your reality shifts your problems into potential solutions. And so the shifting is very important. This whole idea of making a shift, and you even start talking in the beginning of your book about gear shifting. And how, let's walk into this a little bit so that we can, so we can kind of feel ourselves. Because that's what you're talking about in each of these things, is feeling the shift that you're making. Yes, because talk about the gear shifting, and I know that, there's a lot of people who say, I don't understand a manual transmission. Well, all i got to say is Google it. Go to YouTube. <laughs> because right. what I want you to do in thinking about doing the shifting is I want you to pretend like you're using your left foot and pushing in the clutch and then shifting with your right hand, assuming that you're using a, a four-speed uh, forward uh, 
a manual transmission that has four forward speeds. And the reason I want you to do that is just when you're using your foot and then you're using your, your hand and you're looking over at your hand, when you're actually engaging your body in the process of mentally shifting, you're giving your brain work to do. And when your brain has more physical work to do, you're going to be able to shift the thought process because you're occupying your brain. Rather than spending all that time fretting, you're going to do this shift because I want you to shift about shifting into neutral because that place of calm. And it's been very practical for me because I've been doing this imaginary shifting since I started driving when I was 16. I would actually do it to practice the shifting. I would do it without the car there. And when I realized that it could be a process in the mind shift on demand, by simply doing that, I was surprised, delighted, and surprised. Okay, okay. let's just assume that our listeners, and uh, some of them have fear of speaking in public, and others are afraid to ask for a raise from their boss that's much deserved, and someone else is afraid to leave an abusive or domestic violent situation or someone else's uh, just having panic attacks for absolutely no apparent reason, but definitely has that physiological dive into anxiety. All right, there's your audience. What do you do with them? Well, you mm-hmm. for each one of those, I went to a different mind shift exercise. I went, I went to thinking about one that would work. Um, but I, I want everyone to engage in the, hmm, isn't that interesting? That process alone is empowering. I've had people tell me that even though they love every one of the 12 mind shift exercises in the book, that they go back to the, hmm, isn't that interesting? They put on the egg, and they actually deal with blowing the bully away because blowing the bully away has to do with realizing that when we are dealing with abusive situations, we slip ourselves into a victim mindset. And Mm -hmm. that's a terrible place to be, but we can literally shift ourselves out of that by realizing that we do give the bully power. And Mm -hmm. I've been in abusive relationships myself, ones that Mm -hmm. I've never disclosed, and I've oftentimes thought that I should one day write a book that said coming out of the closet and not for not for the reason of being uh, a homosexual, but the reason of having these issues that that were so traumatic to me. I, I was fearful of them. Uh, one of the one of the ones I was so afraid of speaking of because I thought that I would be hunted down and killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been through that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it has to do with shifting the way you're thinking, even in the middle of a terrible situation you have to think that perspective we've got to find oh some positive light in the middle of that darkness because we need to find that candle to help us light our way out so absolutely agree i i think that one of the things that's heartbreaking for me when i work in the abuse and trauma recovery world is that i will greet on a daily basis people who say i'll never recover And my first response is to have 100% empathy for that position, that feeling, just to kind of like sit with them and say, I know, I know how that is. And then after that complete rapport, that absolute understanding of, of how tragic and permanent it feels, it becomes so imperative to say, okay, you're never going to become virginal to that experience that you had. You had it. It was real. You went through. It's authentic. You're never going to be able to erase it, although I have had some situations where uh, we create amnesia through hypnosis. I'm getting a horrible feedback. I hope the listeners are not getting that feedback there. Um, and I, and you, sound, you sound great to me. Okay, good. So that's why I'm kind of hesitant here. Uh, the, the, the thing that comes to my mind after that is to be able to say to them, we probably need to create a moment where you feel a shift and we redefine what recovery means, but we want to create a shift so that you understand power that you have 
you begin to imagine that you can actually accumulate these shifts all the way to what you will ultimately feel like as a state of recovery. And that's why your book's so important to me because you empower people by saying, you know, you can create a shift. And whether that shift is one degree off or 360 degrees away from what you've come from, it's important to know you have that power. What would you say to that? Yes, you do have the power, and the power lies in the words you choose because the words you choose set yourself up for either success or failure. And when you hear people all the time on social media talking about what's wrong and what's going on, and when they do, they're, they're creating more of it because they're they're energizing it. We we are an energetic being. Mm-hmm. And what we think we create and what when we have something that is causing us trauma. If if I had bought into the the stroke, who knows if I'd be speaking here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the woman who I had the the brief session with just a, such a short brief session she was able to recover a tremendous amount of her uh, ability to speak in only a few days by going through some simple processes of changing the words that she said to herself. Mm-hmm. So it's that word selection. Mm-hmm. Somebody's talking about being in a terrible, it's word selection. So it's shifting away from that. And And one of the things that I've learned over the years has to do with when we're in a terrible situation or we've made some terrible mistakes, and I am a queen of mistakes, by the way. I want to let you know. <laughs> I, forgive yourself, forgive yourself, forgive yourself. Okay. That's right. And and that's I'm a queen of it. And, and I have learned over these years that one of the most important things to do when you feel like you've done things really, really wrong is to look back and say, ask yourself this question, what did I do correctly? Ever so tiny, but what did I do correctly? And I learned I learned this process through my coaching and through being in sales, by the way. I've been in sales for close to 50 years. Mm. And it would be when my husband and I were in working with sales and he was he had been an uh, expert in sales at, at, with Xerox. In fact, he was one of the few people ever hired in the sales industry of Xerox who didn't have a college degree. Hmm. And he would teach me some of the processes. And we originally were doing, you know, what did you do right and what did you do wrong? And I said, well, let's recraft that because right and wrong is judgmental. Because I want, right now, I want anyone who is in, who can hear this, know that at this moment I'm creating a safe place for you, a place that is blame-free, guilt-free, judgment free and the the fourth free freedom is that it needs to be wine free too leave the whining at the door and in that process rather than saying what's right or what's wrong say what did i do correctly find some correctness in that and then the second one rather than saying what did i do wrong say what might i have done differently those questions have been very powerful for me and the third one is you know what can i do what might be a good good way to to take a next step because we're not we can't change ourselves on a wholesale basis everything at once but just pick something little just a tiny a tiny shift because a tiny shift you're saying you know one degree one tiny shift one tiny shift in thought can be so empowering mm-hmm. can give us back our strength and our self-esteem and our confidence even when we feel like we're broken. No matter how close you are to that cliff, if you haven't jumped, you can inch away. Mm-hmm. Your book is designed to be very user-friendly. So in the back of your book, you have these synopsis of all these exercises beautifully laid out. And on the middle of your book, on page 149, you have the seven steps uh, that you have le- uh, that you have outlined for shift, reflect, and own it. And I'm wondering if you can walk us through an exercise 
that illustrates these seven steps. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I don't know if you have your book in front of you or not. I certainly do have your book in front of me. Well, interestingly enough, my books are out in the car, but let's see. <laughs> oh, oh, let me do it. Okay, so step number yeah. one is I am taking control of my mind. Show us what we do. I am taking control of my mind. Step number one. Mm-hmm. What do we do? So here I am. I'm, I'm going to pretend that I'm very, very anxious. I'm very nervous. I've got this huge thing to do, or I've got to talk to my boss, or I've got to confess something, or I've got to go to court, or I've got to speak in front of people. I've got to do the sales. Um, I'm very nervous. So here I am in the middle of these intense emotions. Everything seems foreboding and overwhelming. How do I suddenly just take control of my mind, Donna? Well, you can simply think about gearing up and becoming the driver. Just acknowledge the fact that you do have the power. It's just shifting the words that you say to yourself. And it's what I was doing in that particular section had to do with stepping through the mind shift exercises that I had gone over because I wanted people to acknowledge that it's functioning. Mm. You know, like with I have become the driver, uh, with deep and become the the driver by being detached with hmm, isn't that interesting? Mm. And and it's it's interesting because when we acknowledge the fact that we can step through that process swiftly, oddly enough, I I've been able to when before I go on speaking, what do I do before our talk today? I spent some time centering myself hmm. and and stepping into this place of power and comfort. Hmm. And you know, you, we need to gently reboot our mindset, and we can do that with. There's a, a ninety second shift I talk about. And we can do that in a, a short period of time by releasing stress from both your body and your mind. Would you want to do that right now? Do that right now? Sure. I can do that right now. So what I want you to do is I'd like for you to breathe and notice the air. It's coming in and out of your nose I want you to feel it inhale through your nose and then gently exhale through pursed lips literally feel the air as you breathe in again feel it as it goes through your nose and into your lungs and when you do that your brain is focusing on doing Exhale. When you exhale with pursed lips, you're giving slight pressure to the little sacs that are in the lungs, and it helps to open them up. But by literally looking at the air as it goes in and exhaling, just doing that three times, and you literally can shift your mindset to that place of calm. It's a simple, simple 90-second shift. Beautiful. So the first step is I'm taking control of my mind. The second one is I become a detached observer. The third one is I reboot my mind, which is that 90-second shift. And then we get to number four, the energetic vaccine. (laughs) I love that one. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, when I spoke about having an energetic radar, engaging their energetic radar, you know, I'm thinking about, and I started playing with it in my mind, and I'm thinking about how in the world, you know, there's, you know, we we have this energetic flu. You know, we have such an energetic flu, but what we need to do is we just need to be aware when our energy shifts from positive to negative. When we feel it, 
I mean, do you do you have that internal feeling when you go from positive to negative, Carol? Yes, I do. Yeah, and then what you want to do is you go, oh, okay, I, I just did that shift from then then consciously take appropriate action, and you can set the stage to going from that negative to that positive in a very short period of time and feel your power. I want you to literally move inside your body. Move inside your body and think about, I want you to move inside your body and think about looking outside at you. Imagine that that you have you can see yourself. You know, place yourself out there and you can see yourself and I want you to see yourself standing there and just move from being out there to being back inside of you. And look down at your body and look at the the energy that is around you. And I want you to realize that you, right now, when we're going to deal with this energetic radar and the, and the vaccine, I want you to look down and realize that you have a you have a belt on, and notice and think on your belt there's a controller. And it's going to be your energetic radar controller. And look for that. And what does it look like? You know, it might look like a a, a remote control. It might look like a a hairdryer. It might look like a, a, a GPS. It might look like, oh, amazingly enough, it might look like a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And the moment a negative thought drops into your mind... When you're physically in a a negative space or you're energetically at risk, know that you can take this governor and you can engage it so that you are completely aware of any energetic intrusion. And I want you to pair that. When I say pair that, I want you to think about really connecting to this energetic radar. It's kind of like pairing a phone, a Bluetooth phone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I've I've lost the connection of my energetic radar. And I find this place. I, I mentioned when I said the word forget or forgot, I tap on my left my left wrist. Just tap on that spot where you can forgive yourself for being disconnected from your radar and energetically engage and just be aware. When you say, where am I? And you breathe into that place of comfort, you will be again empowered. And when you go through a process of thinking about something as silly as having a a, a controller that you just engage and all of a sudden your energetic radar is activated, Think about that. You have it in your mind's eye. You can control it and reactivate it. It's a powerful tool. It's a play game that you can have with your mind because when you play with your mind, your mind becomes gets to that place of healing. And I think that's what's important is it gets to that place of healing and loving and forgiving yourself. Thank you so much, Donna. I mean, everybody, it, we are talking to Donna Blevins. This is from the book Mind Shift on Demand, a very enjoyable, very readable book, very able to take each of her chapters and use them and come away with a shift. There's just no question. Each chapter has a shift that's just available for you to engage in, plus wonderful stories. And I would like to go to that wonderful story about the energetic remote influence. And you may have several stories, but this is about your house in a storm. Care to share mm-hmm. that one? Uh, yeah, and it was. It has to do with. Um, 
it has to do with the egg because I was actually in California and uh, I looked up I was in a doing some casual poker playing before I got on the plane I had a, a day off and I'm looking up at uh, the television screen because there's televisions all over in a card room I generally don't look up at them at all but somebody mentioned oh my goodness there's a hurricane going to Florida it was actually headed directly towards our home in Florida. And I tried to call Mother, and I couldn't get through. And and I started being fearful of her. And I said, well, what can I do? Let's, you know, let's think about installing this energetic uh, protective shield around our home. And I just envisioned it. I thought, well, this might be silly, but let me just give it a shot. And when I landed... I couldn't get home earlier because the the airports were closed, and I was able to arrive the day after the hurricane passed. And when, as I was driving into our neighborhood, I was able to finally reach Mother, and she said, everything is fine. We're okay here. Wow. And Mother was there with the pups. And as I was driving into our neighborhood, we uh, have a neighborhood of about a 103-acre lots. As I'm driving up the streets, I'm seeing damage every place, every place, mm-hmm. all over. And mm-hmm. I'm going, oh, my goodness, I wonder what's damaged. And I came up to our property, and everything is exactly where I left it. Oh, my goodness. Mother had, yeah, mother had left uh, uh, tools leaning against the tree because Mother works so hard in, the, in, her, in her farm, in her garden. She works until she's tired. She just drops stuff. There was a, a rake leaning against a, a tree, and uh, she had a pile of uh, plastic pots that were piled up. Oh, my and goodness. Nothing, nothing was damaged. So it was this energetic, uh, activating this energetic radar and the egg over our property. Yeah. Maybe that sounds woo-woo, but all I know is mm-hmm. a dear friend of mine lives right next to Paradise, California. Oh, boy. And I couldn't reach her, and I wondered, I kept thinking about her, and I thought, well, I, I have no idea. I will just install an egg over her home. And I talked with her last week, and she said, did you see my email? And I said, I'm sorry, I overlooked it. And she said, I emailed you to tell you that I had installed an egg over my property, and she said, the fire stopped one house away from my home. Oh, get out. That's just amazing because that was a very hot, fast-moving fire. Yeah, it was. Wow. And, and she wow. said, I, I said, hey, who knows how it works? It's, I'm not a woo-woo person. I am left brain and right brain. But, mm-hmm. but when it comes to that, hey, give it a shot. You know, why yeah, not? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and another aspect of energy that you talk about in your book is related to Mr. McDreamy. <laughs> oh, Mr. McDreamy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fun story, but, you know, let me just, like, like introduce it in terms of we're talking about energy work, and I actually do quite a bit of energy work and, uh, and on all sorts of different levels, as well as all the Western well-researched uh, psycho- psychological tools as well. And energy work is really unfathomably helpful. And so we're talking about egg, you know, keeping bad energy out. We're talking about noticing when something inside you, your energy has shifted. So you have that radar, you have that gauge where you can notice your energy shifting so you can do something about it. You're talking about creating an energy protection remotely. But very few people will walk into a situation, they'll say, ooh, it's bad energy in here. And they either want to walk out or they're judgmental or they're critical or they feel encumbered by it as opposed to creating energy and doing energy sharing. So that's empowering again. So talk to us about energy sharing, and I love your story. Maybe we want to leave it as a mystery to your readers or not. How would you like to talk about energy sharing? Well, I'll say that when my, uh, my husband has been in the hospital numbers of times, and I want to thank the Department of Veterans Affairs for the VA hospitals for saving his life. It just, it's oh, been wow. astonishing. I just really oh. want to thank them for that. 
And because of that, which is the reason that I had become a volunteer at the VA hospital in Tampa, to do poker therapy for traumatic brain injury veterans because I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back. And any time I would go into the hospital, I would take a few moments to always be sure my egg was intact and to be positive in relationship to that. But every... Uh, every hour when I was in with my husband in in the ER or even when he was uh, waiting for something that was he was in, in a procedure or even when he was in intensive care, about every hour I would get up and I would walk around and I would smile. And people would go, why are you so happy? And even when I was sad, I would smile because, Smiling is a powerful tool because when you smile, your brain releases positive chemicals in your brain to make you feel better. And even when you feel crappy, if you can put that smile on and walk around and breathe intentionally and with each step think about you know, passing on some, some joy, it's been astonishing. I can't ever give a smile away. It always comes back to me. So this energy, this energy sharing, uh, you know, I've played with it so that I could shift a circumstance. I was in a conference this week and we were all sardined and very close. We could barely put our shoulders together. They were smushed. (laughs) They were smushed together so we could barely put our shoulders out. Very crowded. And everybody was feeling very encroached by each other. And I was thinking, here's this person to my left, this person to my right, gee, I wish we had space. They were feeling the same thing about me. So we're all feeling ourselves to be encroaching on each other. And I said, you know, I'm just in this moment, I'm going to start sending out heart energy. And I'm just going to wave this heart energy and this joy. I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to move my body. I mean, not that I was frowning, but I'm just going to do this energy work um, and see if it, if, if it helps the, the people in my immediate surrounding. And very shortly thereafter, I could see the bodies of all three of us that were crouched together just kind of relax. And our bodies began to kind of mold comfortably together because they had to. Uh, and we were complete strangers to each other. Then at the end of that process, there was some really wonderful, profound conversations that I had with either person, both person, both people. Now, I think that if I had continued to sit there and had my egg kind of like hump, I want my egg around me and I don't want their energy mm-hmm. to encroach on me. This is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And, and if I had just kind of kept myself into this stingy kind of positioning, uh, you know, I could have left that conference carrying that same negative response they as well. I don't think that this would have had a shift. Um, so I think that's just one of millions of times when we can be the change agents in a moment, um, not only in our own life, but in the, the circumstances that we walk into. And I have this funny feeling that you being six foot five, you are a dramatically beautiful, blonde, six foot five woman. You walk into a situation. There must be times that you wish you could hide and cannot. What well, do you do? I rarely, <laughs> I rarely wish that I could hide. I oh, and people good. would say, "Well, isn't it isn't it awful?" They would say, "Well." You know, but never, no one ever leaves you alone. But, but mother always told me, mother told me to stand up and be proud. Hmm. You should put your shoulders back, stick them up, stick them out and be proud. That's way before I had anything to stick out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was the one that said, you know, stand up and be proud. And and I was, it, it, and let me just we have time. tag on to what you said about this sending the heart out in relationship to being in this conference because thank you because you just gave me a tool that I need when I'm on the cattle car in in a airplane. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much because I had completely overlooked that and thank you for reminding me of that. I, I learn every day, so thank you for sharing that. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, oh, yes, it's just fabulous. And uh, I... 
I, I've realized over the years that what my height has done, God gave me this six-and-a-half-foot-tall body because I'm supposed to be out with people. I have a message to share. Yes, and by you the do. Way, it's, it, by the way, it's not blonde. It's white. Oh, oh <laughs> it's, okay. It's white. <laughs> yes, I finally stopped coloring it because when I'd color it, try to go blonde, it'd be yellow. And Mother finally said, would you please let it go to what it's supposed to be? So I started graying, turning white when I was 16. And, and, oh, no. You know, like a, and it, it just is in my genes. Uh, but it's white, and I, I love it because people say that they they want to get that and they don't have the ability to get that. But what I've realized is that when people come out to talk to me, it's usually that they have something that they want to say. And I give them the opportunity to communicate when they might not have opened up before then. And that's what's such a beautiful place to be Hmm. because I give people the opportunity to to talk and to share things. And I'll say, well, what's going on with you? And they'll start, it's odd. I used to think it was odd, but it's it's joyful that they just start going, well, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, you know, how might you look at that differently? And they'll start complaining, and I'll 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 stand there and I'll do a mind shift coaching session uh, on the cuff right then at the po- at the moment. <laughs> oh, wow! And I'll say, well, how can you look at it differently? Or what's what's you know what's going on that that what are you really enjoying in your life? You know, or what's what can you do that that can make that different? Or what's the words that you say to yourself? You know, maybe say something differently, and and I'll start asking questions. As a matter of fact, when just after the book was published last year, I, one of my new acquaintances, because of the book, had said, you need to go do a book signing at a flea market. Now, imagine, mm-hmm. a flea market. And I'm going, oh. eh, at a flea market? But I said, okay, well, you know, I thought maybe it might be have a singular market. The flea market was a blessing for me because what it showed me was, I said, you know, let people stop. They will be interested in this, and every every age group would eventually stop. And the one that was the last one, I was there for three weeks, three weekends. And what happened is, I was getting these teens in their fifteen, sixteens that were going through so much depression. Mm-hmm. And one told me that she was. She told me actively that she was suicidal. And I was startled that she should share that with me. Yes. But I always yes. want people to know that that I do create a safe place. And I guess because I intend to do that, when someone comes into my energy field, they're in that safe place and they feel like they can open up. And I asked her if she would want to step aside here and we could be private and talk about some things. And I asked her you know, what was going on with her and she shared it with me. And I'm trying to figure out what I can create for someone in that point of suicidal that they might be able to use in that moment. And I created it for her on the spot. And I said, okay, you know what a touch screen is, right? <laughs> she said, well, of course, i got a smartphone. And I said, I want you to imagine right now, right in front of you is this screen. And I held my, my hand apart about three feet. I said, it's that size in front of you. It's a big screen, flat screen in front of you. And I want you to project that image of that, that situation, that that place that, that you are, that the, the person that was causing you, that was bullying you, it was a bully issue, that was bullying you to the point of feeling like that you just need to get out of this life. I said, can you see that on the screen? And she was so dark. And she said, yes, I see that. I said, is it there now? And she said, yes. I said, do you wish for it to be gone? And she said, yes. I said, so take your hand, and if the screen's in front of you, go left, bottom left to top right and swish it away. Go ahead and do that. And she did, and in that moment she did that 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 arm swipe, huh. and her huh. physical body changed. All of a sudden, I mean, her coloring changed. Hmm. And she hmm. looked at me and she said, it's gone. And I said, yes, and I want you to know sometimes it will pop back up, and that's okay. All you need to do is swap it. Swipe it away again. But what you need to do is you need to create another screen that will appear that is wonderful. Can you think of a time when you're joyful, something that you really love to do, 
And she thought a moment. She said, yes, I can, I can, yes, I, I can see that. I said, okay, take a moment. Just close your eyes and just see that. Nod your head when you have that. And she did, and I said, okay, now that's your screen that's going to come up when you, when you send the other one away. And I said, can you do that now? And she said, yes. And she opened her eyes, and she's standing up straight, and her body language is different. The energy field around her has entirely changed. And I want, I want to tell her, you know, please understand that it may pop up again, and it probably will, but you still have the ability to swipe it. I said, can you do that? And she said, yes, I can. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. <sighs> well, folks, this wonderful conversation with Donna Blevins is going to have to come to an end. I'm so sorry to say that. But what's so beautiful is that you have the Mind Shift On Demand book available for you on Amazon. Very easy to find. Wonderfully easy to read. And and Donna, your style is so approachable and so full of heart, and you're very practical. And so many different ways of approaching the same situation. So people don't have to feel like, well, one doesn't work. There's so many different tools available, and you're going to find, you're going to find relief. So Donna, as we end this wonderful conversation, thank you so much for your generosity of your spirit and your knowledge what would you like to say to the listeners? I want to say that the words you choose will set yourself up for either success or failure, and you have the choice. Remember, mm-hmm. the body is the vehicle and your mind is the driver. Mm-hmm. And I, I did the, the mind shift that I shared with you. It's, you can download a four-minute audio at mindshiftondemand.com because mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to be able to take that with them. Oh, that is beautiful. Say the website again. Mindshiftondemand.com. Oh, boy. Invaluable resource, folks. Thank you so much, Donna. Oh, everybody, have a great day because you can make it great. And not only can you make it great for yourself, you can make it great for others as well to the degree that you have some influence. And you want to think about how you influence your interior world and the world around you. And see this as an opportunity of, wow, not only is that interesting, but isn't that intriguing? Isn't that amazing? So go off and have that amazing day, everybody. And thank you, Donna Blevins. Bless you. Ciao. Thank you.